0: All right. All right. So we are streaming. So welcome everybody. This is the Rochelle Eason Blooming Artist podcast. And we are on episode six. And I'm excited to be here to chat with Deborah Knight. So Deborah, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the welcome. I'm glad to be here. Yay. Before we get into talking about Deborah, because Deborah and I can talk and talk and and talk um i want to go ahead and just tell you where you can listen to a recording of this we'll actually have this on facebook for rochelle Eason artist they'll be a recording on there you can go to instagram to see some clips it's rochelle underscore easton underscore artist on twitter i'm at rochelle easton on youtube it's rochelle Eason artist and you can actually listen to the podcast on Rochelle Eason on Anchor and anywhere else that you listen to your podcast. So now that we all that we have all that housekeeping out of the way, um, Deborah and I met a little over a year ago when I was doing a show in um, here in Lakeland, actually, which is a show I hadn't done for several years. So it was exciting to to be here and and um, meet Deborah. And she is a potter. So that's the first connection that we have. And she's a teacher and she's taken some of my classes both at the Polk Museum of Art here in Lakeland and also um, online with me, my art journaling classes. So we're gonna, we'll get to that in a little bit. But Deborah is um, a very interesting person with her life, her everyday life. She enriches it with so many things. So I'm going to actually toss it over to Deborah and let her tell you a little bit about um what she does but also and also about all her crazy hobbies and I have a list of just I think just a few of them and I mean crazy in the most wonderful way and that they're active and energetic and all that so Deborah welcome again and tell us a little bit about um about what you do how you spend your day both pre-pandemic and during pandemic
1: um uh, oh wow it's <laughs> a That's... lot yeah uh if we go back in time, a little bit in history, I have always been a maker. Um, I mean, I remember being like three years old and sitting there with scissors and creating my own game as a three-year-old, because that's what you do with fake money and everything. Um, it, it didn't end well. Cause I taken my mom's big scissors, but whatever, um, didn't stop me. Um, and, um, then, I mean, because I think like making things and reading are probably my two biggest hobbies. Um, I'm a huge reader and have been pretty much since I learned to read. Um, and they, they kind of intertwine and they also kind of are, you know, it's really hard to be making things when you're reading. Right. <laughs> I mean, with audiobooks, it's easier to read mm-hmm. while you're making things mm-hmm. nowadays.
0: But you can be um, inspired.
1: Right, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know that I've really got something something good, like a good nonfiction informational book when I'm like, oh, my hands are itching. I wanna go and do something <laughs> now. Um, yeah, so um, I've always been interested in like the medieval history mm-hmm. era. And when I was 18, I found a historical group called the Society for Creative Anachronism. And so I've been involved um, with that since then. And wow. it's kind of, I call it like the uber hobby. Uh, <laughs> through through that, I've done um, historical costuming, embroidery, bead making, jewelry making, wire work, um, calligraphy and illumination. Um, it's actually how I started doing pottery.
0: Wow. Um,
1: was through there. It was, I, I learned to throw pots on a kick wheel, in a tent, um, in a field, in a, in a state forestry camp in, um, uh, some Midwest state, um, Missouri, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right? Wow. Uh, you know, and it was, it was like two years. It was actually your class. Um, it was, uh, the class I took right before your class mm-hmm. that I, I actually got to glaze something for the first time. Wow. That's yeah. So wild. And that was yeah. like a year and a half in, yeah. um, and what else? Oh gosh. Um, I also have done archery, um, uh, what we call heavy combat, which is like a recreation of sword fighting training, mm-hmm. as well as um, fencing. Uh, we do kind of like more instead of like strip Olympic style fencing, mm-hmm. we do fencing in the round. Wow. Which, so think about like all the Robin Hood movies when right. they're like dancing around each other in circles. <laughs> That's us. Wow. Sometimes there's even rip, a witty repartee. <laughs>
0: That's so awesome. I find Uh, that just so exciting and fascinating.
1: Yeah. So I, I love it. Um, I've been doing it for 20 something years. So you kind of, kind of have to, to keep a hobby for that long. Right, right, right. Um, Yeah.
0: So that's uh, been your source. Like you just said, I didn't realize that all of that is really, you know, that source of information inspiration but when you said that of course it is i mean it's kind of like a no-brainer that if you're going to get involved with something like medieval you are going to have all those handcrafts and all of those and what a learning experience that adventure has
1: to be um it's really hard to be part of the group and not pick up historical information right um my my passion um like I love going to all those little farm museums that where they have like the where they brought all the farm buildings in Mm -hmm. and seeing how people use their space and actually do the thing and make Mm -hmm. use of their space um it's wow and you can you can look at um like a a 15th century cobbler's shop, you know, Mm -hmm. or an 18th century, 19th century farm, or even a modern farm. And you can actually see, um, a lot of the same things and a lot of the same usage of the space. Mm -hmm. Um, because there's, there's a limited number of things that humans actually have to do to live. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that are efficient that are just efficient. They're, you know, Right. That's just the why it's it's that way because it's the best way to do it. Right. And people right, right. in um, independently have come to that from, you know, yeah. on different sides of the globe. Yeah. yeah. And I just find that fascinating. So
0: it's like, it's kind of this idea. And I'm thinking about your chickens and putting that chicken mm-hmm. coop together. <laughs> and we, we did the same thing because we had a farm in North Carolina for several years. We had horses and chickens and guinea fowl and all that. And we, we built the coops and we had this chicken courtyard with, you know, with two big. Um, chicken houses and a, and a well one was a guinea fowl house and one was a chicken house but it's almost and I don't want to say primitive because it's not but it's it's early engineering the mm-hmm. simplest the simplest forms of engineering still work and it's all we absolutely. need absolutely you know and it's and it's um it works so efficiently And it's almost one of those things where you got to, you know, facepalm like, oh my gosh, this is all we, this is easy. This is something that we can not only make, but maintain and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and fix if we need whatever. It's just, it's just, it was amazing to me because that kind of what you were saying just brought me back to our farm days and how enjoyable it was to live like that in simplicity, but you are so enriched with that simplicity. Mm -hmm. So that's really exciting. And you do have the chickens.
1: So you have your chickens yes. in your backyard now. <laughs> I've got, I've got my five chickens who are, who are right now they're, they're free ranging right outside of the coop. I, I painted it with a um, little Tudor. I, I call it the tiny Tudor hoop coop because, um, like a half timbered building, I painted the top part. Yeah. Um, and then it's got a, a run that's covered by, um, I made it, I made hoops out of, um, PVC, right. Um, uh, right. you know, for some hot protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, unfortunately it doesn't protect from my dog. Oh yeah. Yeah. He yeah. he likes to chase the, the chickens up and down the run. So he's not, <laughs> he's not allowed in the big backyard when they are outside of yeah. their, their coop anymore. Right. Right. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm actually thinking about fencing off. Uh, we have a very large backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, fencing off a larger corner of the backyard mm-hmm. um and then putting the the coop in there um mm-hmm. and right now it's like a tractor and it can move right right um, right Yeah. So, so like thinking about how to make your farm a little better, totally medieval. Yeah. Well,
0: you know, it's interesting because on our farm, we had, we had 10 acres and, but we only lived on three of them. So, Mm -hmm. um, seven acres were still all woods and we could actually ride our horses through there Mm -hmm. and get lost. Mm -hmm. So it's, it felt like a lot bigger because 10 acres for a farm is not very big, but, um, it was great for us. It was just a little hobby thing, but our chickens we had, um, in their little courtyard, which was actually, fenced in with six foot fences all the way around it was a huge area that their courtyard was because of our dogs we didn't want the dogs in there and we didn't obviously didn't want the horses in there um now ours was a little bohemian they were big coops that were raised off the ground of course because we were in North Carolina so we had deal with snow and all of that and um but they were painted in this Uh, this blue, this kind of uh, bright, bright blue with big funky daisies all over Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) It was a little bohemian for our chickens, but it was so much fun. And, but yeah, you have to think about that. And we had red foxes on our property. So we had to really be careful about that. And um it does become a challenge to figure out all of those little right the little nooks and crannies where not only the chickens can get out but when where your predators can get in and and that was it was quite a learning experience for us definitely um but as far as making because i know you pottery is one of the things that you really love as well mm-hmm. and you've done my art journaling classes online and you know, and, and part of this, now that I'm learning about this medieval um, history that you have and this connection to this hobby, and we've, we've actually talked about that in the past. I guess I just didn't realize how, how far-reaching it has been in your life, but how has that helped you to, um, to how does art in particular and all of these activities really help you with like mental wellness, especially during this pandemic? How have you felt... This
1: influence. Um, some of it is is satisfaction mm-hmm. because there's a lot of things right now that you can't you can't look at it, complete it, and say this is good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, or there there's a lot of a lot of things that have no no completion, right? Um, And that's, so whether it's, um, you know, finishing the 15th mask and going, oh, I love how I tucked it this time. And, and, and it's so much better than the other ones I made or, uh, you know, finishing um, a piece of pottery and being like, yeah, it's ready to bisque fire now. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, something in the journal, Um, it. Finishing, finishing something or, or like yesterday I cooked all day. <laughs>
0: yeah. and, and <laughs> so, Looks pretty too. What you showed.
1: Yeah. Um, I made uh, a friend gave me some Meyer lemons. And so mm-hmm. I made Meyer Meyer lemon, um, uh, marmalade mm-hmm. and, um, some ginger peach marmalade. And I, you know, I picked the peaches last spring Yeah, and um, they have been in the freezer. Um, and, but just, just having, Especially since I'm a teacher and I teach online right now, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's nothing concrete. There's, mm-hmm. no, there's no physical satisfaction with getting things done. Mm. Um, the joke when you're a teacher is, yeah, uh, you know. so you can work 60, 80 hours a week. Right. Um, I refuse. Right. But you can't. But the job's never going to be done. Right. right. So you just have to get it to, to good enough to, to be ready to go the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
0: And that takes a long time to learn because I was a teacher in schools for years. And of course now I'm in my 25th year of teaching, um, art and it does, like you said, there's always going to be more. It's never done. So you have to, you have to put a cutoff, you have to put your boundaries and put a cutoff time. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, I've, I've gotten pretty good at the the boundaries and cutoff part. Mm -hmm. Um, but being able to, to make something and have a completed tangible product mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Um, since I, I, am staring at the, the crate in the corner, um, <laughs> I put, I put my dog Bow in the, mm-hmm. in the crate, um. Because he loves to be involved in Zoom calls. Oh, sweet! Well, we welcome all kinds of dogs into our Zoom calls. Well, the problem is, is then that I can't actually talk or anything, right? Because, you know, <laughs> he, he becomes a star of the show. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. So, um, and uh, <laughs> since he does want to be involved in everything, I mm-hmm. end up doing less art right now, um, because I'm I'm working with him, and since I since I have to to ignore him during the day Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like the dog Mm -hmm. show at night
0: and you actually got him after the pandemic so you've been so that's kind of been a nice little companion also Mm -hmm. um to to bring into your life at that time
1: yeah um I got him right before I started working I was actually uh driving driving home from a from a road trip. And, um, I was like five miles from home and he, he almost got run over. And so I pulled over to check on him and, you know, the next thing, you know, I have a puppy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we got one of ours from the Wawa. So we understand. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But it's interesting because, um, sense of completion. Now that you said that, you know, I am one, especially my art, Um, All of my art, I want to say all of my art, except for art journaling, is always in a stage of process. Because Mm -hmm. as a potter, and you know how long it takes to get a pottery piece done. You know, I think a lot of people, unless you're in pottery, you don't realize how long, because it's not just the making of the clay piece it's drying for at least a week or two and then it has to be bisque fired and then possibly with an underglaze and bisque fired again and then another glaze thing and then fired again and and you know you're talking and drying in between each stage so you know and the thicker the piece or the bigger the piece a lot longer that it has to dry in, um, for that first stage so um, you cannot do instant gratification
1: with a piece of pottery it just it just isn't there no. <laughs> and I mean, just, even when you're, when you're making it the first time, I mean, right. if you're wheel throwing, you, you throw it and then you've got to wait and then you trim it right? and then you've got to wait and then you could potentially underglaze it. And put a um, handle on it, you know, you've, right? got a, you've you
0: know, and
1: yeah, there's so yeah. many steps you're waiting but, for. But each, but each, it, but it's incremental improvement and you can mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. You know, now, I, I don't know if you share the same philosophy, because pottery just like any
0: art, you have to be in the mood to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said everything but kind of art journaling isn't complete, you know, in one sitting. Art journaling for me is something that I say is kind of complete because I'm creating a page and then I'm going to go back maybe and put doodles in writing But, and to me, that's a completion, except that I know that three years down the road, when I open that journal again, I may go ahead and write something else. I might do an update. So in that sense, it's not completed, but it is as complete as I kind of get in the moment. But pottery, when we do pottery, or at least when I do pottery, I have a certain frame of mind I have to be in when I'm throwing. So we Mm -hmm. throw multiple, right? We throw multiple at a time. And then we have to sit and like you said, they have to wait to dry to a certain stage so we can trim them. And so you trim all of them. And then you have to do, like if we're gonna put handles on it or spouts or whatever it is, then you do the alterations and that's still in the wet thing. And then obviously it dries and dries and dries and dries and dries, and, dries, and then you fire it and you have to go to glaze. And the whole thing about if, if somebody's not a maker or not a creative, um, it's kind of hard, I think, for them to understand. But it's hard for me to shift gears of my creating to be able to, you know, I I used when I was a production potter, this was one of my hardest things to do, I would have pieces in different phases. So while I was waiting for my throne pieces to dry, I might be glazing these other pieces. And I'm going from a workstation to another workstation to or even a handle station. So I might have three different stations going on. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the physical movement of these things. It's your mental approach to everything. And it was really hard. It got to a point where that was stressing me out that I was trying to be a production potter, get as many pieces done as possible because my mental change couldn't take place in between each phase. And I don't know if you've noticed that with anything that you do, because you really do have to be in the right frame of mind especially for glazing, I think, because glazing is such a tedious thing. If you're not in the mood to glaze, you know, you're going to just slap that glaze on there and be done. And it's just,
1: you know, yeah. Glazing, glazing is, I love thinking about glazing when I'm not doing it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I get it. You know, looking I at love... pictures of glazed pieces yes, and looking yes. at the recipes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Going, oh, three coats of this and one coat of that. Right. And, but then to actually, especially when you're waiting for that, that second coat to dry. Right.
0: Right. right. You know, the second yeah. out
1: of, you know, or, or the fourth out of six. Right. Oh, right. it's, it's excruciating. It's excruciating. And I have these <laughs> I have these little um, cards
0: I put with every single piece that I do. I've got the, the the formula or the recipe that I wanna do on each one. I have my little code that I do, you know, one um, for tally marks for how many coats before I go on to the next one and next one. And there's a multitude of colors in front of me and I'm kind of trying to go down a line on my table and try to do first coats on everything, second coats, blah, 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 blah. But you, you lose it at one point because they don't dry at the same rate and then it just kind of gets overwhelming and I'm looking at these cards and I mean Saturday night I had to literally walk away from that table I'm trying to glaze pieces for my children for the holidays that I've been putting off and um, I just I couldn't do it anymore, because there were so Mm -hmm. many at so many different stages. And this one had to drip down this way. And this one had a a side swipe and this, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's, and it's really a challenging thing mentally. And I, and I came back into my, um, my other, I have a a different studio where I do my other art so that the dust is not always in my face. Right, right. And, um, I sat there with my art journal and I actually just had to chill because it brought me back to a place where I could just sit and focus on one thing and let my mind just roll out onto the paper. And I really mm-hmm. never was like that before, but now, you know, now I, I just give myself grace. You know, i I used to push through it with production. I didn't have a choice, but now I just give myself grace and try to try to go through it.
1: I have found with sewing that that a lot of the time, um, especially for tedious things, I do run mm-hmm. into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this, you know, fast slow is fast. Have you heard that one? My mom, yeah. my mom keeps telling the story about the organ repair guy who, yeah, you know, or the piano repair guy, and he decided that that he was just gonna like chill out and do everything as slow as possible and put all his tool back tools back every <laughs> every single time he used something. Um and he ended up taking a a third less time to do the job than he expected. Wow. Anyway, my mm-hmm. mom keeps telling me that right. story, and every time right. I'm like, Mom, Mom, I really? Know. Yeah, I yeah, I, I, I hear you. Right. But um, that. But not everybody functions like that. Well, but that that meant when I'm in those super repetitive tasks, mm-hmm. if. I find audiobooks are amazing for this, or podcasts, mm-hmm. or, or um, about the only time that I watch TV is when I'm sewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love The Great British Bake Off and yeah. Clear Eye, and, you know, these, these soothing shows where people right. are nice to each other. Right, right. Um, and oh, yes. 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 I, I love, I love it. that. And when, when I have to do those things, I, you know, I'm just like, okay, well, all right, I've got 53 buttonholes to make. Okay, it'll be all right. I'm just wow. gonna gonna do the thing. Right. right. And I don't try and rush and somehow stopping the trying mm-hmm. makes it better. Um, it doesn't mean that I look forward to it anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> or that, you know, if the zen is broken, mm. that right. it's easy to, to go back. Right, right. But But it's,
0: it's kind of like, and I get that because when we have so much in front of us and especially repetition, I am not a repetition person. I just, I have a really, that was one of the reasons for plant stain papers that I kind of um, took it to as far as I wanted to go with it. And then Mm -hmm. I ended because it got to a point where it was so much repetition. I just lost, I, I just felt like I wasn't being creative with it anymore. I wasn't pushing it, you know, to the limits. And I love that. But I do, I do definitely understand what you were saying about, um, you know, what slow fast, because um, when you take that pressure off mm-hmm. of you to, you know, like you're saying, you know, however in 53 buttonholes, when you take the pressure off and say, okay, I've got to get this done by such and such date, and I've got to rip through it, your whole demeanor,
1: at least my whole demeanor changes, and I feel so anxious about it. And your shoulders um, go up and your jaw hurts right. and then, and, and, and everything it's, it's, it's just a miserable feeling. It, it is, it is. And I was producing
0: those journals mm-hmm. when I was at Disney and had to have so many on the shelves all the time, you know, hundreds mm-hmm. and, um, just sitting there having to say, okay, I have to stitch 200 journals before this next show, you know, that kind of thing. And it would drive me crazy. It would put it off, put it off, put it off. And then now, you know, I'll sit there and stitch papers and I can stitch, you know, five journals in an hour because I'm relaxed versus, right. you know, and I have no pressure on me to do it in an hour, but mm-hmm. it's it's enjoyable and all of that. And then you kind of um, talked a little bit about it, but, but all of this, how does this all combat stress for you? You
1: know, when you're stressful, when you're stressed, sorry. Yeah. Um... I got to say that, that I'm not doing a really good job of it right now. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah it, There's a lot of out, outside influences right now, too. Yeah, right, I'm, uh,
1: I'm, I'm doing a lot of reading to combat stress, which is uh, lovely and escapist, but I'm not sure how useful it is in the long run. Um, but uh, I think you always learn, though, you know, it
0: doesn't matter if you pick up an advertisement from a store or a brochure from some from a winery or a novel or you know i'm studying um, air is it i think it's air i still can't even pronounce mm-hmm. it yeah, um, the right now and yeah. um, i do think that anything any tidbit of information that you can consume whether it's joyful informative or whimsical or you know a summer trash novel that you're going to read on the beach I still feel like it, it it inspires us in different ways. You know, nothing's yeah, ever a waste. absolutely, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, but when, like yesterday with the with the cooking, uh, cooking has kind of been my my big my big outlet recently mm-hmm. um, for making things, and it's just so. Knowing, knowing what goes into your food that you're going to consume, right. um, seeing the, the the melding of the textures and the the flavors, and like cooking's magic, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then having having the end produce and then being able to to like smear that jam on top of the bread, right. <laughs> wow, um, yeah. and it it's just very satisfying. Mm-hmm to make something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and in the end, it's so delicious that you don't even mind, you know, washing the jam pans and right. Right. And, you know, <laughs> and up afterwards,
0: but you know what, that's also, um, kind of getting back to that simplicity that we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier and, and comfort, right. Absolutely. I, and I'm not, I'm not a cook. I'm not a baker. I'm not anything. Cause I just burn. I just, I, my, my attention span is too short. I walk away from the oven and I go do something art in, in the studios or something and and I end up burning all the time. But what you just described is, is comfort food, regardless of what food it is, it's comfort. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A- and
1: it yeah. And it's but I get the I get the same sort of satisfaction when I do sit down with like watercolors mm-hmm. or with the journal. And um, especially when you can like do again, it's it's magic. Um, Yeah, it's chemistry and magic and being able to 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 combine the the colors and the intensities and the textures Mm -hmm. and um you know and just just making making something new on a blank page right um it's it has that same sort of sort of creative soothing Mm -hmm. satisfaction Mm -hmm. but that that magic is enchanting and it is very
0: much um Away, i feel like when i do things like that like we're into candle making right now for the holidays um not for production that was the whole thing you know i was trying to keep things not for production not for this mass thing that i had to do because it took it it took it away you know it took away the magic of it for that mm-hmm. but there is a certain enchantment with creating a comfy cozy aura really mm-hmm. environment around you, um, not only during this time, but I, I was talking to you before we came live that, you know, I know most people are very sick of this pandemic and they want to get get to a life that, it, I'm not going to say get back to a life because I don't think we're ever going to go back to where we were, but to get to a new normal without the pandemic. And I am finding that I, I don't love the pandemic. Obviously, it's. I don't want this to come out wrong. I'm. I'm as d- disgusted with it with this as as everybody else. But I love who I have become during this because I've slowed down my life. Now mm-hmm. I also had brain surgery in June, so that could be a bit of it. I've kind of my my outlook changed a little bit, but I am um, slowing down and really savoring these moments and like enjoying a chat with you and Mm -hmm. um you know sitting down with my own art journal which i actually do every day for my morning meditations and evening meditations but now during the day if i feel like i need to distress i come in my studio and just do and but but also going on the sofa and cuddling with with our dog you know one of our dogs and i just i just never allowed myself I used to think that was a luxury, you Mm -hmm. know, because I'm an entrepreneur. And just like you said, teaching never is done. When you have your own business, you're never done. There's always going to be something. But um, in giving myself grace and inviting myself almost, it is like inviting myself to on a play date to just, or a chill date or something and sitting down with a cup of water or a cup of tea or something like that. And just enjoying, so um. I, one of the things that I always love to talk about is how our day-to-day influences our picture of the bigger world and our bigger picture of the world and you actually have a lot of experience out in the world because you did a teaching. Was it Dubai where you were? Yeah, I was yeah.
1: in I was in Dubai for five years. Um, yeah. I've also lived in England as an exchange student, um, and my uh, my dad was in the army, and so we were stationed in Europe for. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were stationed in Europe for five years as well. Wow, wow, yeah, and I graduated from a, an American high school in Germany. Wow. So, um, as I think about it, yeah, I've lived out of the continental United States for eight years. Wow,
0: That's, so your viewpoint on you know, a bigger picture of the world is a little different than ours here in the United States. And how, how is it that all of these things that you're involved with, whether it's art, making of any kind, the medieval group that you're, that you're so active with, and um, even just baking in your kitchen, how does all of that go into this world um, viewpoint
1: that you have? And um, because you're a teacher too. And so. Yeah. yeah just- um, one of the phrases that my students are tired of hearing, um, <laughs> one of them has, has said, I actually do say it at least once a class, mm-hmm. is it's all connected. Yeah. Everything's oh, wow. connected. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's, it's really easy to see I mean, because, because everything is connected both, Mm -hmm. both within this current time period, you know, um, when I first, I listened to a lot of, a lot of news and science and Mm -hmm. politics um, and uh, economics, um, but probably economics and science podcasts are my two favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, And when, when the, in January, uh, somebody, January or February, one of the economists was making a prediction that, you know, so China has this virus and they're having to shut down production regions and, uh, you know, but it'll be okay. It'll only affect the, the world GDP by, yeah. by this minuscule, like 0.6%. And I'm like, what you can't see listeners is that i'm making like a little prune face that's full of question marks right um and because everything's connected the 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 worker in a factory in shang you know in in shenzhen or or wherever who came from a farm Mm -hmm. who is you know when when that slows down Mm -hmm. it, it affects um trucking in within China it affects international trade it affects what's happening on the Mm -hmm. oceans it affects what's happening in the ports Mm -hmm. it it, everything's connected both right right now and that we can look back and we can look at Mm -hmm. the 1918 um flu pandemic and you know it's it's not like people were different then right because people people are still people Mm -hmm. um and we may know more about germ theory and how things, um, the transmission and exactly what's happening inside the body. But, you know, the, the, the hardware, how our mm-hmm. brains are constructed and what's a, what's a, a, a good, um, you know, the, it, what, what the instinct is for a survival mechanism, that mm-hmm. hasn't changed. I mean, right. cause a hundred years, three generations is nothing. Right, right. And when, when you really look at it, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you plopped a 15 year old from 1918 now or, or now backwards, mm-hmm. um, you know, after two or three months of, of adjustment, right. um, you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah, 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 I yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, so whether, whether you're, and then when you, when you look at how how, like why people acted the way they did, um, one of the books that I'm, I'm rereading one of my college books, and it's talking about um, germs disease and the immigrant menace, mm-hmm. which is also something that we talked about in my U.S. history class that I'm teaching, was wow. the the reaction to the ways of, of the immigration from the 1860s to the 1910s. Mm-hmm. and um, And so we look at a lot of the laws that were made. Mm-hmm. And it actually, some of it's science, mm-hmm. some of it's wanting to actually improve people's lives and some of it's just a fear-based reaction Mm -hmm. you know and that's not actually any different Mm -hmm. than um some of the the legislation that was put in place at the beginning of this pandemic Mm -hmm. you know like banning people from certain countries
0: right 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 you know
1: um so it's it's all connected (laughs) Mm -hmm. i agree Yeah. yeah yeah And so, and yeah. so having, having lived in, like, when I was 15, we moved to Germany, and I, I was a foreigner in a country where I was a guest. I didn't speak the major language. Right. Um, and I, I will have to say that being a guest in another country um, completely changed my perspective on, yeah. um, on, on what we owe guests, Wow country, Wow, you know okay. right because I was treated with courtesy, I was mm-hmm. treated with respect i was I was you know right, me with my little itty bitty pigeon German <laughs> yes, yeah you know well uh, oh, that's
0: so fascinating to think about yeah, and
1: so when you when you think about that and just the summer before we moved over um I'd been on a school trip and we went to DC mm-hmm. and we actually I saw protesters who were like, This is America, speak English. <laughs> oh yeah. And then and then you know so later, wrong. right? I'm um, a month later, I'm I'm the person who can't speak the local language. Right, right. And nobody nobody had signs up saying, Das ist Deutschland. Right. Deutsch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right. Oh, so. definitely. Definitely. Um
1: That's and so fascinating. it it just, it, it just like that's a small example, mm-hmm. but that attitude I think really, really permeates my entire understanding of the right, world. Right, right, right. In, in a way that I don't even often think about.
0: Yeah. Well, you're li- because it's ingrained in you now. I mean, you—it's your natural response. And you know, we homeschooled for 21 years, and when people would ask me why, I'd say because the world is our classroom, mm-hmm. and that was how we approached everything and um you know i look at so much that's going on now as you were talking about and how um isolated and i don't like the word entitled because i because i think it comes off with so many different um different definitions depending on on what situation you're talking about but i definitely think that we have not grown in empathy or Um, our fundamental fundamental being a human in this world. And we have not grown in those ways as so many other cultures and countries and all that have. And I think the biggest thing you just said that is my takeaway is that it's about how we treat our guests in this country. And how you're treated as a guest in that uh, in the other countries, and how you were treated when you were living there, and you were a guest in their country, and um, it's you know it goes along with everything else that I always say. It's about a frame of mind, mm-hmm. it's a mindset, and that mindset is one of 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 true empathy and humankind, and so that is something that we've always tried to instill in our children but it's a, it is a challenge here with the, with the division and all of that, that we have. And I know we're going kind of deep into something that I, <laughs> I know that's a little different, but, um, but I think it all, I think that that response, cause it is about seeing the world and about having a bigger picture of the world. And regardless of what, how, what experience, cause you have so much more experience, physical living mm-hmm. experience that you did um so many of us are trying to find that that understanding of the world through our art escapes really mm-hmm. through our readings that we do through our studies that we do you know I've always studied um buddhism but I feel like you know I feel like I've only touched just a teeny tiny bit of that surface and um and again the connection because that's something that we talk about all the time is that connection between um, each other between our cultures, but within ourselves, our body, mind, mm-hmm. and soul too, and how we can present that in, um, in a way that we're true to ourselves, but we also have this, this empathy for humankind that I think is probably the greatest gift we could give to anybody outside of ourselves, outside of our being, is empathy for just humanity, you know, just for being, you know, being in grace in that. Um, I think you already, you know, basically explained so much about, you know, even more self-awareness because, you know, you were just saying about looking at things, uh, you know, this is kind of ingrained in you, you know, you've, Mm -hmm. all of our, all of us are um, this combination of experiences that we've had and this influence that we've had from different places and yours is definitely um a melting pot of sorts coming from all different angles and absolutely you know and i think that um i think one of the things that i always love to know is especially to people that are artists and makers and all that is how what would you consider um I don't wanna even say major change because you've been down this journey for decades basically. Um, but how do you look at an art journey being the kind of a catalyst in individual growth and an in individual wellness and self-awareness and all of those things? How, how, do you, how do you call art or how do you think art is that vehicle for, for people? Um,
1: I think the easiest because that that has as many answers as there <laughs> are artists and and individual projects right just you, you know? just you
0: right um, just you for some
1: just pick something randomly in your life when yeah. I when I started doing pottery um it was you know in a. I, i i've been i've been buying pottery i love hand thrown pottery um built pottery i've been buying it you know as i could afford you know Mm -hmm. little piece by little piece um for i think since i was 15 or something Mm -hmm. um and i have an entire ledge in one of the rooms covered in in my pottery collection um mostly, mostly the excuse was the the medieval thing, because yeah. you always need a, a drinking glass <laughs> and, and handmade pottery is the way to go. Right. Um, and, but I'm, when it comes to, to handy things, like my lar- my gross motor coordination is not all that. I don't run well. I'm not, I'm not great at catching or throwing. Um, but you know, I, I, I've always been able to, to make things mm-hmm. and usually the learning curve is, is pretty, you know, I can, I can usually do all right, right. You know, right. get up to, to, to low intermediate pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I think when you start a new craft, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you have to extend yourself grace, right? Because all of these things that you're doing they're they're not you yet right you don't know how right. to do them right. and I think being put back into the mind of the beginner is mm-hmm. one of the biggest gifts that you that you can have from learning anything new mm-hmm. oh yeah because that that openness mm-hmm. that that potential that mm-hmm that gift of frustration, Mm -hmm. right, right. right. And it doesn't, when we, when you can't do the thing that, that you can see in your mind's eye and it just, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't do the thing. Um, right. It's, I, I find it as, as rewarding as, um, you know, having a hard exercise, you know, going out and Mm -hmm. exercising and then you've got this, this great endorphin rush and then the, 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 the burn, right. You know? from a, from a really good workout mm-hmm. and that, that frustration and, and encouraging you to give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. And when you give yourself grace, it helps you remember to give everyone else, extend that same grace to other people.
0: That is so, that's so well said, so well said and so pertinent for right now. Cause I, I, I was actually just having a conversation with, with one of my students and saying that, um, you know, they really weren't They weren't too happy to be pushed out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And they wanted kind of a hack to make things easier and, um, or, you know, a little bit more simple and all of that. And the way I teach is definitely not like that. The way I teach is, (laughs) you know,
1: you've been in my classes. Um, Yeah. You're like, we're going to do this thing. Yeah. (laughs) You can make it your own, but I'm going to show you how to do this thing. And we're all like, uh huh. Uh huh. And, and then it, we get a thing. Yeah, exactly and it and it's and it's generated by you.
0: You know, not everybody's looks the same and it's coming out from your own true true self inside and and I think over time and you know this as a teacher as well as I do as a teacher. Um so the way that I I teach adults is the way that I taught children so often and it was very open ended and mm-hmm. it was very much um let me let me let me teach let me guide you. It was rather a guiding thing to find their own source of um, being inside of them and and to help them kind of portray that out into whatever we were doing, whether it was art or writing a paper, because I was a a writing teacher and I taught English and I taught social studies. And so everything was taught from an art basis, though. And Mm -hmm. I do that to this day. So that's, you know, it's been over 30 years. But I do believe that growth happens when you're pushed out of your comfort zone.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's, there's, there's lots of diagrams about that if you wanted to get sciencey,
0: Right, right. Exactly. And I, and I feel it, I believe it. And that's something that I've always, I've always, you know, kind of, um, and I still encourage like even my students who wanted to hack and like, I'm sorry, you know, the, the biggest thing about going through one of my classes, I think is the fact that you are caught in a moment to respond to that moment without planning that moment. Because when you start planning that response, then your critique, then your critical thinking steps in, and then you start to analyze, and then you start to do all of these things. And I'm not talking about a major project that you're gonna put out in a gallery. I'm talking about in your art journal, when it's, when you're, when you're um, you know, when it's a conversation between your inner voice and yourself that you haven't heard before, that you haven't been part of before, it's about that instant response and that moment that is authentic and true and possibly a little scary, possibly mm-hmm. a little challenging, because it, it kind of gets you to think about something that possibly you didn't think about in those terms before. And it, 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 do, it does get deep. It does get deep um but i do think that art whatever medium you choose is a way that we can express ourselves um in ways that we didn't actually even know we had that conversation going on inside of us right but it's about it, but it's about being open enough to let that conversation be released So, you know, that's, that's kind of my, my take on that. And when you said about pottery, because pottery is what I've always collected too. It more any, you know, there's just a handful of pieces of anything but pottery in my house that somebody else made because I do everything, but pottery, I have that collection from a variety of potters for the last 30 years, 40 years, because to me, pottery has always been this piece that it was raw clay. And it's a person's hands that are molding a, a, a lump of mud, as my husband calls it, whether you're you're throwing on the wheel or you're hand building, you've got just like that inner voice I was talking about, this this pottery piece, this piece of clay, actually comes from that energy within, within a person. And that to Mm -hmm. me is the truest form. And I'm not knocking all the other mediums, but to me that in my mind, that's the truest form that an artist can put out and present is something that they've made out of a lump of clay because it's so raw. It's just so raw and it has to be formed from that person itself, that potter Mm -hmm. or sculptor or whatever. Yeah. So I know you get that and I know you, I know that you are craving to get back to clay also.
1: Yeah, I've been, um, I I haven't put the energy into putting my workshop together back in my, my garage. Mm -hmm. We were supposed to have a construction project going on right now. And then there was issues with the permitting and yeah. So everything's in the garage. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. 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 But, um,
0: Cause you yeah. do need a space. You do need a space, especially for pottery. You have to have a space and you have to be able to escape to it and feel like it's an escape. I think for it, for that magic to start to happen when it doesn't feel, um, when it doesn't feel tedious and like, it's, you know, it's forcing you to do something. So I kind of just, I want to wrap up with the idea of online teaching, because this is something I know that I've been wanting to do for the last eight years and kind of, teetered into it or eight or 10 years actually. And I always teetered into it, but the technology always stopped me. And, Mm -hmm. um, I finally, you know, took my own advice and hired people that were very knowledgeable in that, because I always, I always recommend to everybody, if you, if something's stopping you from doing what you really want to do, then find the people that can help you to get that done. And I don't usually take that advice for myself. And I finally did. And I'm so happy because I feel like I feel like it's not only helping me to, um, inspire the way that I, that I feel like I am, um, called to do, but it's giving myself the opportunity to, to be softer, to be Mm -hmm. more gentle to, to myself, to give myself more grace. I know you teach online and I think you
1: will continue to teach online, correct? After, is that how your, your Uh, work will go? I. I don't know there's a lot of moving moving parts in the discussion Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um but at least um assuming that everything continues in its current track Mm -hmm. um at least this year and next year Mm -hmm. at least for sure Mm -hmm. and then um what i do after that i -hmm. i don't know there's there's options yeah yeah um i i really I really miss the in-person interaction Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways with students. Mm -hmm. Um, And like the kids that I do connect with, I feel Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a solid connection, Right. but it's, there's just so much less potential. Right. I mean, honestly, if I could pick any job, um, I think I'd really love to go back to being like an elementary school librarian.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. um,
1: That would Mm -hmm. be, The, the tech support aspect is not my favorite. Um, right, right. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> but, a challenge. That's a challenge, uh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I might I might end up doing that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, until you've done it for a while, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, it takes a little while to learn how to do it the best mm-hmm. way, no matter right. what it is. Right.
0: Well, and you know, I, and I've said this before too, as far as me and what I, because I have two different teaching ex- realms that I'm in right now is, is teaching my adult classes online, but then mm-hmm. also still at Florida Southern as the ceramics professor, and they are in person um, mm-hmm. for the most part. But um, I found that after teaching, because I've taught art journaling for about 25 years, I found that teaching online art journaling, especially the live weekly classes, is so much more Um, individual and personal with people, which is something I never expected because I feel like um, for one reason is that we are looking face-to-face. I'm looking face-to-face to to everybody, but they're also getting a very clear view of the artwork that I'm doing in the book, which in a classroom, they don't have a front row. Not everybody has a front row seat. Right. But more so than anything, what I have found is that since people are home in their personal space, in their comfort zone, they, I see so much more growth from it, people, even, even people I've had for six or seven years in my classes, I've seen so much more growth the last eight months because that, that book is, is there on their desk and they keep it there through the week, they go back to it. Whereas when they were in person, whether we were in person in my own studio or in person at the museum, you know i know people were just they were done with two hour after two hours of class they put their book in the car they left it in their car until the following week and that was it and it was just mm-hmm. this this kind of two hour um experience every week but it wasn't more than that and now most of my students um they really engage on their own afterwards and it was something i was extremely surprised at. and i know we have very different audiences because you're teaching high school and um class yeah they don't get to opt
1: in they right
0: right it's very different it's a very different Mm -hmm. situation which is how it is you know with with ceramics especially studio art that's i find that extremely challenging to do online but as far as art journaling i find that um, i find that it can be very meditative for each person
1: because they don't have a person beside them Right. There's, there's nobody, you don't feel like anybody is, is judging your in process. Right. And, um, and also you're not being distracted by telling yourself not to judge other people's in process. That's such a good point. Because we don't, I mean, cause none of us who do the classes are going to be like outwardly judgy, Right. but it's, we're humans. We evaluate right. things. Right. <laughs> Right. Right. That's true. That's true. And we're programmed that way. You know, absolutely. It's, it's a, it's actually part of
0: survival. It's required. Right, right, right. It is. It's wired that way. And, you know, one of the things I've always fought through, um, all of my teaching career is trying to get everybody, regardless of age, because I've taught everybody from preschool through college, through, through adults, preschool, elementary school, middle school, high school, everything I've done the gamut. Um, and you see where that programming, when you, when you go through that whole range as you have, you see how that programming becomes more and more confined and mm-hmm. more and more limiting. And those boundaries, people put those boundaries. And that's why, you know, I always say about pushing you out of your comfort zone because those boundaries are arbitrary that have been put there from years and years of being programmed to think a certain way, to react a certain or, way. Or
1: just, or just seeing what works and what doesn't for other people. Right. For other people. You know. Exactly. Yeah. And um, when you're trying to design an airplane that might be important because you know you have to follow the laws of physics right or at least you have to know how you're gonna what you're gonna do to, to break them sure um, but when it's when it's something that isn't like that right you know when it's art when it's clothing right. when it's right. um, you know when it's how you're gonna paint your fence or, right. or whatever right. you know right. that's that doesn't necessarily help. Exactly. Exactly. I think so. I think so. Well, I, you know, I always love our
0: discussions and, um, we can talk forever. (laughs) We can, we can talk forever. We're, I'm always so fascinated by everything you do and, um, and you do it all with such heart. You know, I feel like you are, you put such heart and effort and grace into everything that you do when we talk about it and, and you're passionate, and I think that passion—I think passion is one of our best um, driving mechanisms that we can do for our lives. And yeah. and even within our um, current situation with the pandemic, and um, you know we're ten months into this, in that um, I, you know, I, I, and I just had this conversation with with some people this week, is that or last week, is that you know. Um, we're 10 months into it. So it's our responsibility to find the way that we want to live each day, mm-hmm. you know, and cause we have a long way to go still. And yeah. so I feel like, and it's not, it hobbies again, I'm, you know, I'm not crazy about that word either because a hobby, um, is, is to me, it's a, it's a way of life too. I feel like it's a, it's part of us that we need to survive with Um, in our day-to-day as much as we need Mm -hmm. sleep as much as we need food I feel like we need a creative outlet um, because we have that that creativity I think everybody has that creativity in them and it's just finding a way that you're going to release it and I definitely definitely remember when my kids were little and I couldn't have time for myself and I really couldn't sleep my husband would you know say why are you not going to it's like four in the morning and I'm in the studio. Um, I had, I was much better when I released that, that creative energy than when I got sleep, I really was, Mm, it it was, mm -hmm. it was a thing. So I, I really, um, I really believe in finding a way to express that. And I'm so glad that you're in the kitchen and you're finding that magic and you're doing some other things that are just so wonderful during this time and keeping yourself, um, you, you always present joy and happiness. So I appreciate oh, thank that. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, well, thank you, Deborah, for joining me today on my um, Rochelle Easton Blooming
1: Artist podcast. It's always exciting. Thank you for inviting me. I was so glad to come. This has been great. Yeah, I appreciate it. So I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye to
0: all of our listeners. Thank you guys for listening and watching. The recordings will be there here on Facebook of Rochelle Easton Artist. And again, um on instagram and youtube and all those wonderful places you'll see a list in the recording of where you can find the podcast once that gets up this afternoon so i appreciate everybody and i will see you next monday which is actually after christmas so thanks for watching and um i will hope you all have a wonderful wonderful holiday this this weekend this week whatever you're celebrating enjoy